Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Stress is really a gift, if you will, because it sheds light on my weaknesses. Uh, It gives me a clearer picture of where I am on the inside, and it also helps me know where I need to grow, possibly. But the other thing it does is it offers an opportunity for intimacy. Well, what do you think? Does that statement, that stress is good, resonate with you? Mylan and Kay Yurkovich are here on Focus on the Family to help us understand what causes stress and how we can really benefit from it. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus uh, President and author Jim Daly. John, I have a certain uh, understanding that most people don't see stress as a benefit. Uh, it comes from my own life. <laughs> I don't see stress <laughs> as a benefit. Uh, usually, stress stresses me out. <laughs> That's how it goes. And I think, like most people, I feel like I'm pretty middle of the road, and things don't tend to toss me too far. But there are days I'll come home, and you know, I've had a tough day here at the office or something, and I, I probably don't speak as kindly as I would like to, Mm -hmm. to Gene, or maybe the boys do something that set me off a certain way. If that's you, um, I think today's message is going to be for us. (laughs) And so I'm hopeful that we can help with the aid of the Yurkoviches, bring this to light, embrace it, talk about it in the context of Jesus and who he was and how he dealt with it, and then move forward in our relationship with Christ and in our relationship with those around us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation, especially as we look at stress in marriage. There are times, Jim, I go home and I just think, why can I be so nice to everybody there at work or at church or wherever I am, but here at home, it just blows up some for some reason <laughs> it comes very out. open boy john well that's a very i'm hoping nice we thing. can fix that so i can go home tonight and be nice <laughs> fix it in the day yeah sure well, with that here are the fixers mylon and kay yurkovich yeah. welcome back to focus thank well, you good to be here very uh, happy to be with you the yurkoviches are counselors and radio hosts uh, speakers and authors they've been here before uh, at focus they have a passion for helping you as a husband or a wife uh, as a couple, to experience stronger, healthier marriage. Uh, Mylan is an ordained minister and pastoral counselor, and Kay is a licensed marriage and family therapist. They're probably best known for this love style concept, and we're going to unpack that and see how it applies to stress in marriage today. Well, let's get going. Uh, you know, we talked about what might be normal stress, and then there's some line. I don't know if it's a consistent line with all people. But what's normal stress, and what is that line that crosses into unhealthy stress? Well, it's what you do with the stress. Uh, What God wants us to do is learn to take our stress into relationship for the help that we're supposed to receive from one another. If we don't take our stress into relational relief, we'll take our stress into non-relational forms of relief, which leads to addiction, uh, obsessions, compulsions, and all the things we do, or or as you have already <laughs> wonderfully illustrated, <laughs> we lash out at people and we hurt people, or we, we retreat and we shut down and we become silent and non-communicative. So what happens is it's either a relational or a non-relational response. Yeah, Kate, define stress. Somebody might be saying, I don't know if that qualifies as stress. Well, I think really when you ask someone if they're stressed, what they're feeling, it's always a difficult emotion. I'm annoyed. I'm anxious. I'm 
uh, hurt, you know, you're dealing with a difficult emotion. And really, our ability to deal with stress is kind of related to how our families taught us to deal with difficult emotions. Right. So I think for some people, they're stressed and they don't even know it. Yeah. And if you took the, you know, the measure of their blood pressure or their cortisol levels in their blood, which indicates stress, it'd be very high, even though they'll tell you, I'm not stressed. And, and within marriage, let's get specific with that. Um, what are some of the stress factors in marriage? When we have challenges in the relationship or we don't see things eye to eye, as Kay said, and I loved how you said that, Kay, these unpleasant feelings come up on the inside just like you described, John, and all of a sudden I'm more harsh, I'm more irritable, and these unpleasant feelings come out of nowhere. They come out of the depths of our soul, and that's why we have people learn to identify them, Kay, which and you asked a question earlier, how would they know how to identify stress? If you use a soul word list and ask, what am I feeling right now? You get the list of words that Kay just said, and then my spouse has to feel that, and she has to somehow that is a conflict that I bring in if we don't know each other's stress response and how to help each other there. And let's post those uh, at the website. If, the the soul word list? Yeah, yeah. It, it was created by you, if you're right. okay with that. Of and course. That way people can go look at it and begin to, to use that. It's very effective. Gene and I have started to use that as well. Sure. Um, in that context of marriage, though, let me ask you this. Why, as human beings, why do we go to the attack mode then why you know if we're feeling stress and our wife says something uh, which we take as negative bang then we fire right back perhaps i know this is a general question but i'm just trying to for the listener trying to uh define the mechanism for them you know when they're excellent they're That's walking along and all of a sudden so, there's a little exchange of words and all of a sudden now you're you're ready to fire back well i think that's such a common thing that we do in marriage because, and like you said, when we're at work or church, we do our best to put our best foot forward. But at home, our stress self is going to be more evident. And I think, you know, to help people understand that that stress response is different for some people do lash out. Some people shut down. Uh, some people um, go out the back door as quick as they can. Some people sleep. Some right. people sleep. You know, I know there was a period in our marriage, really, for the first 15 years, Mylon cleaned when he was stressed. And I had no idea that he was cleaning because he was anxious inside. Now, the other, another woman might say, that's an awesome blessing. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's like he doesn't clean as much as he used to. <laughs> the healthier I got, the messier my garage got. That's oh. right. Yeah. What? You got a messy garage? You know I can't stand that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We've covered that on this broadcast. But we haven't covered your cleaning the garage. It's them. a mess right now. Okay. It's driving me crazy. But but let me ask you, Is are those exchanges always rooted in stress? Well, yes, they are. And ah, interesting. Bad feelings. They're rooted in dealing with difficult emotions. Mm -hmm. And the things that really just pop our anger button, our anger button <laughs> just get us going, are often triggers. And triggers are something that where a spouse is stepping on a childhood wound. So, you know, we don't often realize that some of our reactivity, whether it's to fight or flee or freeze, is really occurring when as you interface with someone in the present, they're actually recreating or reliving a childhood experience. Yes. And so you're going back to your coping mechanisms that you had as a child, and they're often not great. 
Yeah. So it's dredging up history, jamming it into the present, which turbocharges the reaction. And I want to make sure, again, because someone listening might say, well, this is great. Mylon, of course, is an ordained minister and Kay is a family therapist and I get all that. It sounds like psychology here. But let's talk about Jesus. I think he used Matthew 26 as an example because uh, and we're going to move into some of these other stress definitions and the love styles and how stress plays into that. But let's put the spiritual application. I guess the goal in many ways, where was Jesus stressed? I guess the question would be, was he ever stressed and how did he deal with it? Well, when you put on your WWJD bracelet, what did Jesus <laughs> do when he was stressed? You look at Matthew 26. It was the night before he was going to die on the cross. Right. It was a miserable preparation that he had to go through, and he knew he was going to be judged and beaten and, and hung on a cross. But the night before, he it says in Matthew 26, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which were James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So he had a stress response. This was his stress response. He was sorrowful and troubled. If you think what he would have looked like, he was... I'm certain making noise, he was walking, he was pacing, he was breathing heavily. I'm sure as Kay, you said earlier, his physiological responses, his heart rate was probably up, adrenaline is flowing. And instead of being silent, he said to his disciples, my soul is very sorrowful, even to the point of death. Mm. Come watch and pray with me. And what he did was he revealed what was going on on the inside of him. He didn't just act in his stress response and let them guess what was happening. He said, my soul is distressed to the point of death. The word soul is a Greek word, suke, P-S-U-C-H-E. We get our word psychology from it, and it, huh. it, is, it is the word of the inner person. And I can't read what's going on in your soul. You have to tell me, and that's why Jesus proactively mm -hmm. sought support from Peter, James, and John. And he said, remain here with me and pray and watch with me. And then it says in Hebrews that he cried with great loud wailing and tears. And then it says in the Gospels that he was so stressed that blood was commingling with his sweat. Huh. And he was so stressed physiologically and emotionally. And he's crying before the Lord, is there another way that we can do this? And he said that three times. And a lot of Christians think that this would be a weakness of faith to show emotion. Uh, to be real, to be transparent, to be vulnerable enough in front of other people. But Jesus modeled that horizontally with Peter, James, and John and with the Heavenly Father. But where faith came in is where Jesus said, nevertheless, let thy will, not mine, be done. So he allows – this is beautifully modeled that we see him highly stressed in with self-awareness, horizontal support of his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John – vertical support with the Heavenly Father. Yeah. That's how he managed his stress. Mm -hmm. It was relational. And that's the point I wanted to highlight, as yes. you have in the material, that, yes. that it's, it, it is godly to take stress into a relational direction, not to shut down, not to isolate, which to me would be evidence of the enemy of our soul Absolutely. and his influence on us yes. to keep us separated, to be that lost sheep. That's right. And, uh, you know, that's – but why then is it so difficult for us, created in his image, why do we not go that direction? Why don't we seek help? What pitfalls are there when you turn horizontally to Peter, James, and John? Well, there's two difficulties there. One is 
your early training in terms of what do you do with stress? What did your mom do when she was stressed? So what these was are learned things. These are learned mm-hmm. things. What did your dad do? In my home, you know, no one was relational with stress. You just looked at dad and knew, oh, he's in a bad mood. Don't go near him. Oh, mom's really quiet. She must be stressed. But there was never any description, nor were we asked as kids, you don't look so good today. What's going on inside you? So hopefully the beginning point is that we have self-awareness. We cannot ask for help if we don't even know what's going on inside. So that was one thing I had to do was learn to describe my inner self. And as I was reading the material, one of the things that (laughs) stressed me out a little you said that parents are our first regulators of stress. And I thought, oh, poor Trent and Troy. <laughs> I mean, but that well, is true, right? It is, I mean, it is. They and learn it's like, from us, uh, and that, that's a burden, too, and a good one. Well, it's, you know, we do the best we can. But, you know, I say there's no perfect parent, but we can be a growing parent. And we can model how to manage stress at any age to our kids and show them that we're even growing in that. Mm. But so the, what, what do we do about that? I mean, let's say that I'm, I'm hearing this thinking, okay, I have missed it. I haven't helped my kids regulate at all. What are, what are some beginning steps? Well, I think for us, one of the huge things we started with was the soul words list. Um, because we didn't have great self-awareness. We didn't, weren't teaching our kids to have great self-awareness. And we put that on the refrigerator. We put it on the table at dinner. And When we were talking about our days, we started to incorporate, well, how did that make you feel? And while that sounds so simple, for us, it was revolutionary because none of us had a vocabulary for feelings. Well, the other thing we did was we confessed to our kids or we would share. Another word for confess is to share publicly as Jesus did with the disciples. Right. So that's relational. It's relational. So I would say to my kids, and you know what? I have had a hard day. I'm a bit impatient. Uh, I'm not doing real well. Please give me a little grace, and I just want you to understand my behavior. That's helpful. Well, I tell that to Kay. I tell that to my kids and to my fellow associates that I work with. And that it's not you. It's not you. Yeah. you don't, you're not that's causing That's what a kid this. needs to understand yeah. is that they're not causing it because that's what they assume. Right, because they then uh, feel guilty or what have right. I done to make dad or, or, or become the parent upset. to the parent. Yeah. or yeah. So Jesus informed them proactively of his emotional state. And we do that and learn to do that as well. It was really hard because Adam and Eve, they were fearful and they hid and they blamed. Right. And so that's what we do. We're a lot more like Adam and Eve than we are the image and likeness of Mm -hmm. God. They're blended and sanctification is moving from one end to the other. This is Focus on the Family and our guests are Mylan and Kay Yurkovich describing the impact of stress on your marriage. And the conversation is based in part on their book, How We Love, And uh, the Yurkoviches have also provided us with an audio CD called Questions to Ask Yourself or Others When Stressed. Contact us about the book, the CD, and a copy of our entire conversation with Mylan and Kay. Uh, The number is 800, the letter A, and the word family. Or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast for more. Your marriage can be redeemed, even if the fights seem constant, even if there's been an affair, even if you haven't felt close in years. No matter how deep the wounds are, you can take a step toward healing them with a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive. 
our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face challenges together. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. Call us at 1-866-875-2915. Hi, Jim Daly here. Today's culture deeply needs help. But in times like these, the light of Christ can shine even brighter. So be encouraged to share His light in this broken world. Listen to the Refocus with Jim Daly podcast. Without time limitations, I'll have deep, heartfelt discussions with fascinating guests who will encourage you to share God's grace, truth, and love. Check out the podcast at refocuswithjimdaily.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, let's quickly describe the love styles you've identified. Uh, we've waited a while to get into these, but I think this will give people context, and hopefully uh, they will see themselves in one of these categories. Um, and these styles are learned in your family of origin. Uh, these are child development issues and can lead to addictive behaviors, and that's what you described so well. Uh, let's go through them for the sake of those listening who may not be familiar with the love styles. Well, the secure attachment would, is Jesus. You know, we're all supposed to be growing up to look more like Jesus Christ, uh, to the, as Paul said, to a mature man to the measure of the stature of Christ. So he was able to be honest, vulnerable, transparent, take his real inner self into relationship horizontally and vertically. That's our growth goal. It's that's a, number it's, one. That, that's, that's where we want to go. That's the secure attachment. Now, Kay was an avoider. As an avoider, she was distant. She was not connecting. She was would isolate when she was stressed. She wouldn't communicate when she was stressed. She didn't have really the words to describe, nor did she ever think to bring those feelings into relationship. So her stress response was to flee, was to get away from whatever was stressing her. Right. So would you add to that, Kay? Well, that's what I learned to do as a kid. Yeah, right. It's pretty much figure it out on your own and pull yourself up by the bootstraps and we don't talk about it. Mm. Right. Keep it all bottled up, basically. I didn't even really realize I was bottling it up. But when I really understood that avoider imprint, it was like, oh, yeah, I don't know how to go to people. Mylon, moving from the avoider, which was Kay, into the pleaser, which was you. In fact, I think they called you Smiling Mylon. So, (laughs) you know, and I've had that. I identify as the pleaser. People will say, you always got a smile on your face no matter what the circumstance you're in. (laughs) Right. So I think you and I are similar in that way. Well, was. Correct. That's fine. (laughs) And I'm working my way through it. Right. But uh, help us understand how stress, particularly how stress impacts a marriage with uh, the pleaser attitude. Well, now I smile when I want to. Mm-hmm. I smile by choice. Mm. I used to smile because if I would smile and you would smile, then I would be okay with, I'd feel comfortable around you if you were smiling. So they're giving you cueing. They're giving me cues that I would actually precipitate with a smile to see if they would smile back so I'd be okay. But what was it like with me, Kay, as the anxious person? What did I do when I was stressed? Well, pleasers often chase you around when they're stressed to make sure you're okay, because if you're okay, they're okay. So they're always pursuing with nice, kind gestures uh, to keep anger from happening, to keep everything harmonious. Um, But they lack the ability to really dive into hard subjects. And many pleasers don't even know they're anxious. 
they are so used to that chronic feeling of worry and anxiety that they don't even describe themselves as anxious until right. we really help them <clears throat> define that word. And, and then they come back and say, oh, I'm anxious every day all the time. Right. So, so the avoider would flee. I would freeze. So okay. Flight, Especially if there was conflict. Freeze. If there's yeah. conflict, I would freeze. And then I, because I was fear-based, I would start trying to do something to appease. Clean the house. So I started cleaning the house. <laughs> yeah. I would stay in from playing to just monitor when the situation kid, yeah. in the yeah. house as a kid. And, these, and what's so powerful, these are things that you learn. Absolutely. And then you bring that, what we so often call baggage, right? Right. When people get married, they bring their baggage into the relationship. This is the baggage stuff we're talking yes, about. Yes, it is. This is the behavior that really uh, makes the other scratch their head a little. Say, right. where did you learn that? Why are you behaving like that? Let's also cover the uh, vacillator controller victim. So hit those characteristics as okay. well. Okay. The vacillator is the protester. Um, they protest the lack of ideal. They like things to be ideal because if it's ideal, then they don't have to feel any difficult emotions and the ones they feel the most, they have strong feelings inside and they can pretty well describe them to you. But they're usually around themes of disappointment, abandonment, you let them down, you didn't see them, you didn't say the right thing, you didn't say it the right way. So the vacillator is expressing this to those around them. Yes, okay. yes. Ang angrily. Angrily. Okay. So they, they kind of go from all good to all bad. So if they're in a good mood and their, I, their ideal is being met, they can be so much fun and lovely to be around and wonderful um, company. But if something disappoints them, they can flip moods really quickly. So avoiders flee, pleasers freeze, vacillators protest, and they're protesting the lack of ideal. And their stress response is that they ruminate. So when they are stressed, they ruminate on what just happened, and they feel bad about that, and they think, what just happened back there? Mm. Why did that happen? Why did that person say that? Why did this person give that person a hug and ignore me when I walked by? Yeah. Uh, why, 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 why? And so they ruminate, and so that is their stress response. And then they lash out because they're upset with whoever spoiled the situation. Yeah. And it really is a release of anxiety. It is. And tension. And tension. And a vacillator will tell you, I feel better after I vent. Right. But no one else feels better. There's a, yeah, a field of disaster. Right. And they, they don't yeah. really realize yeah. they're dumping a lot of anxiety in that vent. Yeah. yeah. So the controller, you ask about the controller, which is a chaotic, disorganized home, is a home where there is fright without solutions, there's often neglect, there's often uh, substance abuse. And the child is victimized by the the inadequacy of the parent. This is perhaps the most dangerous environment. It, it is, is very, chaotic, very dangerous. Very difficult. And children die here in this kind of a home. They literally do. Or they are taken from this home into foster care because child protective services get involved. But this child is not regulated by the parents. They're dysregulated by the parents. Mm. So when they're agitated, they. I had a man in my office one day who said, when I was 14, my dad handed me a bottle of wine and said, here, this will help take all the bad feelings away. 14-year-old kid, Crazy. the dad handed him that because that's all the dad knew how to do to manage the distress that was felt in the and home. That's what he did, obviously. That's what he did yeah. because these homes are filled with addictions and they're also filled with dysregulated emotions and behaviors. So if you came from this home, you might become a controller and controllers get very stressed when things are not predictable to them. Yes. 
if they can't tell you what's going to happen right now, they get very agitated and they want to put things back into a place where they can manage it. And then they protest just like the uh, vacillator, but they're not protesting a lack of ideal. They're protesting a lack of conformity. Yes. And then they will be very angry at people until they step back in line. The victims uh, simply lose a voice. They often dissociate. They often disconnect from the stressful events. And they become very passive and very complacent. And so that is their stress response is to simply check out. Yes. Well, it's not a conscious thing. Right. Right. Exactly. But victims do learn to tolerate the intolerable. And the intolerable is normal to them. It's comforting. It's, I wouldn't say it's comforting, but it's, It's it's predictable. And when they go to marry, you know, the victim is going to be attracted to someone who is going to take charge and uh, be just like the parent that was in charge in their family. Yeah. And most often in these chaotic homes, there's a very dominant parent and a very passive parent. Right. And so they will replicate that model mm-hmm. in their marriage. Such great thoughts from Mylan and Kay Yurkovich today on Focus on the Family. And we're going to pause right there and bring the balance of the conversation to you tomorrow. Uh, We do hope that their insight has helped you to begin to identify the root of some of the tensions that you might be experiencing in your marriage. Well, in marriage, probably more than any other relationship, uh, you have to think through your stress responses, and I think that's where we fail. Uh, You want to be aware when those triggers start to ramp up so that you can better manage your emotions and not let those negative things erode your connection with your spouse. And this is why Focus on the Family is here. We want to help you have the best marriage you can have, to celebrate with you in times of joy and to walk alongside you in times of struggle. And we're here for you, not just on the air with programs like this, but with reliable, practical help. And if this program has touched a a sensitive place in your life, please contact us here at Focus. We have caring Christian counselors who would love to talk to you, no charge, over the phone. Uh, to help you begin healing uh, for yourself and for your marriage. Maybe you and your spouse are really struggling and losing hope. We have an outstanding marriage intensive program called Hope Restored with a mission to bring healing to husbands and wives who are ready to sign divorce papers. We also have Mylan and Kay's terrific book, How We Love, Discover Your Love Style, Enhance Your Marriage. It will dive a bit deeper into the content that they discussed today, and you can get that directly from us. Let me just say, Gene and I did it. We have worked through the workbook. It's Mm -hmm. really good. In fact, when you make a pledge to sustain the ministry here at Focus on the Family today, and any monthly amount helps, uh, we'll send a copy of How We Love to you as our way of saying thank you. You'll also get an audio download of this conversation along with some bonus content uh, from Mylan and Kay. And if you can't commit to a monthly amount, uh, we get that. We know everybody's situation is different. Uh, We can send that book to you for a one-time gift as well. And you can donate and get your copy of How We Love and that bonus audio download uh, online at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or when you call 800, the letter A in the word family. 800-232-6459. We'll have more from Mylan and Kay Yurkovich next time. Uh, For now, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, thanking you for joining us for Focus on the Family, 
inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. What's the best thing you could leave behind? I don't know. Habits, maybe. I'd like to leave behind broccoli. One of the best things you could leave behind is a legacy. Focus on the Family invites you to leave a legacy gift in your estate plan. It can reduce the burden of taxes on your family, and it will make a better legacy for families around the world. To find out more or to notify us of a legacy gift, just visit FocusPlannedGiving.com. That's FocusPlannedGiving.com. When we're at work or church, we do our best to put our best foot forward. But at home, our stressed self is going to be more evident. And I think, you know, to help people understand that that stress response is different for some people do lash out. Some people shut down. Uh, Some people um, go out the back door as quick as they can. Some people sleep. Some people sleep. You know, I know there was a period in our marriage, really for the first 15 years, Mylon cleaned when he was stressed. And I had no idea that he was cleaning because he was anxious inside. That's Kay Yurkovich describing some of the common and unique ways that tension can manifest itself within the relationship you have with your spouse. Kay and her husband Mylon are back with us today on Focus on the Family, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. Hey John, we had a great conversation last time with Mylon and Kay, uh, talking about stress in marriage. And if you've had no stress in marriage, please write us a letter. Yeah, we'd like to Contact know your us. secret on that one. <laughs> <laughs> because I think we all, uh, even the Yurkoviches, especially in the early part of their marriage, the first 15 years was very stressful. And uh, But they looked and studied the Word to find ways to resolve this. And I am so grateful for those many years of pain that they had to go through so that they can help us today better understand what we're feeling. And they've lived it, and that's what makes their testimony so powerful and what they have learned. And I'm sure many of you, like me, like you, John, uh, we have moments when we're stressed out, and we don't even know why those triggers are occurring. And today we're going to talk about how to identify them and how to uh, move forward. And if you missed the broadcast yesterday, uh, get a copy of it, because mm-hmm. that sets the kind of the groundwork for what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, download the app so you can listen on the go or uh, call us for a CD. Our number is 800 a family and online you can find uh, additional resources at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Now we mentioned last time that the Yurkoviches are marriage and family counselors and they've written a number of books about the love style concept and uh, they have an in-depth video series that really is the basis for this conversation. It's called Turning Stress into Opportunities for Emotional Connection. That sounds like a challenge, <laughs> but we're going to learn how to do it. Mylon and Kay, welcome back to Focus. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is good to have you. And I'm telling you, folks, uh, Mylon and Kay have really lived it. And Gene and I are learning so much from you and going through your resources. Uh, it's fantastic. So thank you for what you've done. Thank you for living through difficult times so that you can now live in a much more God-centered time in your marriage. Just briefly describe that, the first 15 years and the last 35 that you've had together. Well, I would say in the first 15 years, uh, we didn't know how to describe our inner self. We didn't have a vocabulary for feelings. 
Um, we neither of us really had memories of comfort growing up, so we really didn't know how to take our stress into relationship. So we ignored a lot. Right. Uh, we swept a lot under the rug. Um, we really had very little ability to even resolve conflict because we didn't really have good modeling of that either. So it just simmered. And I'm saying that because so many of us oh, live yeah. there. It simmered. And of yeah. course, when things simmer long enough, they, you know, the pan goes dry and the smoke starts smoking and, you know, you, you have to do something or you're going to just stay in this painful place. I would say, you know, we learned how to emotionally connect, which has made such a difference. We developed a vocabulary for feelings, and we still have stress. Uh, stress is just a part of living in this world, but we know how to manage it now. We know how to take it to each other. We know how to ask for comfort. We know how to resolve a conflict if the stress is between us. And those are just skills we did not have in the first 15 years. And I so appreciate that background because it paints the picture of your experience, what you have brought to bear on this, on human relationship. In fact, in the material, you talk about Hebrews 4, 14, and uh, kind of the example that Jesus gives us there. What, right. what Well, he happens? says that, he's, that the throne of God is a safe place to come mm-hmm. and to bring our stress and our needs to him. And, you know, that is even a great model for a parent. You know, are we a safe place where kids can bring their emotions and their needs and and be honest with what they're going through? Or a spouse. Or a spouse. Wow, that sounds, even when I say it, it sounds more dangerous. Isn't that interesting? This is another point that I think is important to make is that all that we're talking about, to bring anything into relationship requires risk and it requires vulnerability. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is... It's uncomfortable because we don't quite know how someone is going to respond. And it took us a while to get comfortable. There were a lot of uncomfortable interchanges before we learned and developed skills to make it more comfortable. But even looking back to our families of origin, there's an atmosphere or a level of vulnerability or lack thereof in the home you grew up in. And the more vulnerable your home, the safer it was to be open and express your hurt or your feelings, the easier it's going to be as an adult to go to people. Hmm. You also use the phrase that you picked out of Scripture, the one another, how often Scripture talks about one another. Describe what you learned from that phraseology that the Scripture uses one another. Um, Do you have some examples? I do. We realized that here we are married, and yet we couldn't take the commands of Scripture to one another, which was to be speak the truth and love to one another. We didn't know how to do that. Listen to one another. We didn't know how to listen well. You know, the Bible says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Well, we had that all backwards. (laughs) And we had to work work so hard to learn to become good listeners. Then we had to learn to comfort one another for whatever they were feeling, because we're told in 2 Corinthians 1 to comfort one another. Well, these are commands of Scripture. Now, we're big on, in the church, we get the command of the Great Commission, okay? Go, make disciples of all the nations. And then we're big on the Great Commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbors yourself. We, we get those. We have missed, I believe, the one another's horizontally that we're supposed to do with each other. And they're the hardest in marriage because that's where we build up resentment. That's where we have hurts that may not be resolved. And and yet that's the most important place that we could practice the one another's. Right. 
Well, in fact, the phrase that, you know, nobody knows you like your spouse. That's exactly right. That is, we, we don't say nobody knows you like your friend. But you know, it's interesting, Jim, <laughs> as much as that's true, when we ask a couple, what is your spouse's stress response? They kind of look at us like, what are you talking about? Well, what do, you, what do they do when they're stressed? What do you observe about them? What do you see in their behavior and their voice tones? And it's different for everybody. Some people go sleep. Some people get angry. Some people huff and puff. Some people withdraw and retreat. I think, you know, when you can really study your family, study your, your spouse, your kids, what do they do when they're stressed? Because that's the time we want to move toward them to find out what's going on inside. They're well, obviously not okay. Yeah, and let me ask you that specifically, because I don't know if it's intentional, but I think we're just not observant. I mean, I, I, I can think of that for myself with Jean. You know, do I know her triggers and those things as well as I should? Probably not. I, but it's almost like it, it's because I'm just not tuned into the frequency. Does that make well, sense? It, we automatically, when we sense those things, we're like, uh-oh, stay away or, or pick a fight or, you know, but we Run don't know cover. how to... We Run don't, yeah, cover. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we all do it. I mean, that's the thing. It's right. not like I don't want to learn. It's like I have a different reaction that I'm not even seemingly in control of. Or aware of. Yeah. I had a couple in my office who, uh, when she was stressed, she would rip open a closet, tear everything out of the closet, and rearrange it all, and uh, just put structure and an organization in her world. She would put, and a lot of us do this, we clean and structure and sort our physical environment as a way of managing our internal chaos and distress. And I taught her husband how to recognize that when she starts ripping a closet apart or, or dumping drawers out on the floor, to instead of saying, what are you doing? Or that's crazy. Or can I help you? And none of those. It's you must be stressed right now. Sit down and tell me what's stressing you before you finish that closet. And he learned to engage by observing what her stress response was. And they began to have a closer, more intimate relationship because he dared to walk into the hurricane. He did the opposite of what he probably felt like doing. But that's what God calls us to do. Everything that God calls us to do is counterintuitive. Yeah. To our fleshly nature. You, you mentioned comfort. So let's go to something you call the comfort cycle. Uh, what is the comfort cycle? What are the elements of it? There's four points. Awareness, and then to engage, and then to find out more, listen and find out more, and then to resolve. Awareness is just what Mylon was talking about. What is your spouse's stress response? Because when you see it, or in, a, in one of your kids, you can say, you know, you're doing the thing you always do when you're not okay. So let, let's sit down. That's awareness. Or it may be that I'm now aware that when I'm ripping drawers apart, I'm not okay. I could go to my husband and say, the second step to engage, which is, you know, I realize I really want to clean right now. I think I need to do the comfort circle, which just basically means I need someone to really hear me out and help me sort through what's inside my soul. Yeah. And so that's engage and then explore. Explore is find out more. And the difference between the comfort circle and other forms of communication is when you are the listener, you stay the listener. It's all about the person you're listening to. Um, Even if you disagree, you find out more and you keep listening. Right. So you have the seek awareness, engage, explore, and then resolve. So what does resolve look like? So again, all of these are, are biblical mandates. Engage is to speak the truth and love each one of you with his neighbor. Uh, to listen and explore is 
be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. <laughs> I'm laughing because we do that so poorly. I, I know that. <laughs> and then to resolve is to ask the other person to say, look, I can understand you have unpleasant feelings on the inside, and I can understand why you're doing what you're doing right now, but what would help you? How can I, what, what do you need right now? And that resolves it because the person has seen, they're known, they have vented, they've told you what's going on, and then they'd create some closure. Closure is comfort one another, uh, encourage one another. And so the resolution allows a, a person to pick from the things that would allow them to feel mm -hmm. better, which is we could help me analyze this, which a lot of people want to do right away. We don't analyze or fix anything. We listen first, empathize, fix tomorrow. But uh, sometimes I would hold Kay if she was distressed. I would, you know, physically hold her. had to learn to allow that. Yeah, because that did not come naturally. Oh, not no. at all. I yeah. mean, again, if you have a very affectionate family and, you know, they have their arms around you when you're stressed, then that's normal. But uh, that was very abnormal to me. Yeah. And so learning to receive comfort um, through physical touch and through holding and learning to just even cry in the presence of my husband was... A challenge. It yeah. took a few years to really feel comfortable. Oh, the mm. pain of that. Ugh. So physical touch I had to learn as a male was not a sexual physical touch. I had to learn to distinguish and refine the skill and the art and the emotional tolerance within myself to have physical touch and not have it be sexual. I had to learn to be nurturing. Yeah. And that is something that both of us had to learn to do as well as to give it as well as to receive it. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. If the fights with your spouse have become unbearable, if you feel like you can't take it anymore, there's still hope. Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped thousands of couples like yours. Our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face them together. Call us at 1-866-875-2915. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. That's 1-866-875-2915. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Our guests today are Mylan and Kay Yurkovich, and we're so glad to have them as we talk about stress, particularly as it affects uh, marriage. And uh, I think most of us who are married have had some stressful moments. Get the resources. We've got, uh, Kay, you mentioned uh, some questions to use in this comfort cycle uh, conversation. Uh, we have an emotions uh, words list, a soul list that we've posted, a special audio that the uh, Yurkoviches have done, and more. Uh, all of that at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or call 800, the letter A in the word family. I like the idea of the, the cycle. What are things that disrupt that um, in the relationship, the marital relationship? How do things go awry? Because some people may go to the website, they may look at that and say, okay, we can do this. And then they begin to engage. Step two, they're trying to be aware. They begin to engage, and then what can go awry? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything. In fact, it's kind of funny. We had someone say, really, you should call this the discomfort circle. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and no, and we laughed. That's we where said, it you're started. right. It really it started out as very uncomfortable, <laughs> not comfortable. Um, but I think the whole idea of just conflict in a marriage and the ability, I mean, we get defensive. We don't like what someone says, so we start to correct it. 
it's actually very hard to stay in the listener role when you don't like what you're hearing. If yeah. you fight or flight or freeze, you can't do the comfort circle. Right. You have to learn to unthaw and begin to learn to listen, which means I have to regulate myself in order to be able to be a good listener. Can I ask you, on behalf of the listeners, can you just role play that for us? Just pick sure. a topic, give us the topic so we understand what you're going through, and just exchange that. Maybe do it the way you should, the discomfort way, the way you shouldn't do it, and then do it the comfort way, the way that same dialogue should occur mm. when it's healthy. Could you do that? Oh, sure we can. Okay. Um, Give us the, the what. I got this thing in the mail called Silver Sneakers, which means you can go to any gym and sign up for free. But... A, I don't like to admit that I'm aging. B, that I, <laughs> I was going to say B, it sounds like B, a little... that I need help. <laughs> uh, and C, I, I want to pay for it myself. I don't want to walk in and et cetera, et cetera. So when Kay showed me the silver sneaker this thing. This is how the first round went. This is how the first round went. Hey, honey, look, we got a silver sneakers thing. We can get in the gym for free now. We don't even have to pay. We can go to all of them. <laughs> that is so needy and and. I, I, no, I don't like that. Just no, I, I want to pay I, myself. I just want to go pay for the gym membership and go, hi, gym member, and pay for it myself. I don't want to just have to need things from people because I'm getting old. Are you serious with me right now? Yeah, like, I, I do not like what this is connoting. You want to pay when it could be free. I hate getting this stuff in the mail. That just doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't matter. I'm going to pay 400 bucks and join the gym because I don't want to do this <laughs> because it is somehow an admission of weakness. I'm, I can't believe it. So okay, that's, how, that's good. Yeah. So that, okay. that was the first. So that's the first conversation. Right. Okay. How Second, could this go differently? You know, honey, when we were talking about silver sneakers, I realized there's a lot going on inside you and I just kind of really reacted and I didn't really bother to stop and say, what are you feeling about that? I Can you pick a couple words off the soul words list that would help me understand like what what's going on in you when you think of joining something for free or getting older? You know what? I was reactive too. And I realized that I the words would be weak and pathetic. Oh, wow. Because I watch people in my family system growing up get weak and get weaker and weaker and more dependent and reliant upon other people taking care of them when they could have been stronger and chosen to try to resist and stay strong. So I, I think it just felt weak and pathetic. It, it felt like a decline. It felt like something that I, I just didn't want to go to that place. Wow. So really inside, it's a fear of aging and just the looking at those in your family that didn't really handle aging very well. And it, it was also the inability to care for oneself and the dependence upon others. I saw a lot of that in my family and in my aging parents. Oh, that makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. And so really, the whole idea of just going downhill and losing that capacity, you, you're afraid of like, getting to some place where you're dependent on another person or I'm dependent on you or well, you're dependent on me. Or... At least I don't want to do that prematurely. I know yeah. that the inevitability of that is somewhere in the future. I just don't want to do it prematurely when I can pay my own oh, gym That makes bill. a lot more sense mm -hmm. to me now. You know, the conversation, even when you're a listener, uh, the second conversation sounds so much more relationally driven, yeah. much more intimate, really. It and, it, and that's your point. That's right. the whole point. 
we have emotional intimacy right now. Right. And you also talk about that four, the four steps of listening, which are really important. I think listen and summarize if the message is too long. Yes. I could see that happening easily. So am I hearing you correctly? And you know, you, and that's people kind of resist that because it's like, well, I'm just repeating what I heard. But if you really get into an emotional topic, you may not hear it correctly. Right. And you may say, so this is what you're saying. And your spouse will say, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. And so just clarifying is very important. I think for me, one of the skills I have to continue to work on is I tend to complete the thought. You know, I see that as active engagement, and Gene sees it as interruption. I'm trying yes, to tell well, you. especially with an introvert. Yes. Introverts process internally, and they get interrupted a lot, and their sentences get finished. Um, and so if you're, if you're listening to an introvert, you have to be let, take the time to let them process internally before they speak. Yeah. Man, uh, this again is so good. We have mentioned soul words a couple of times. And again, that's a list that you created. We posted on the website. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gene and I are starting to use those as well. Uh, What are they? Give us an example of three or four of those. Well, they're basically emotions. And descriptors of emotions are words that describe emotions. Because we're made in the image and likeness of God, God is an emotional God and a cognitive God. He's both. And from Genesis to Revelation, he has every emotion in the book. And he tells us why he has the emotion, where it came from, and what he's going to do about it. Mm. So we then took a list of feeling words that um, we accumulated from various sources, and we began to look at it every time we had a conversation. And also, I started looking at it as a part of my devotional time with the Lord because I could pray and tell him what my real internal state was. So uh, I feel sad today. I feel angry. I feel depressed. I feel um, anxious. I feel overwhelmed. I feel uh, jealous. I feel envious. All these are, are feelings. Uh, I feel insecure. I'm frightened. I'm scared. I feel tentative. These are all things that we feel. We just have never had words to identify them and to be able to articulate them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, man, this time flies so fast, and there's so many questions still, but we can't cover it all, and that's why getting a hold of the resources is so critical. But let's speak to the process, because uh, we're all going to process this differently. We're all going to begin to want to apply this. What are some of those uh, warning signs, you know, like on the side of the road, uh, slippery when wet, right? <laughs> so what are those warning signs as we begin to use the comfort cycle and we engage in meaningful communication? Where are the pitfalls? Well, I think we are in a hurry. We think that once we hear a concept, we should just be able to apply it and it should all make a big shift in our relationship. And f- I think what we see with couples we work with and certainly in our own marriage is everything took time. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of mistakes along the way. There were a lot of frustrations. We just kept pushing because we knew we were doing what God was asking us to do. So it's being willing to push through the uncomfortableness of growth and to give it the time it takes to really make major shifts. And what I hear you saying is stick to it. Don't don't give up when you hit a pothole. Right, because you will. Yeah. But that's how we learned everything. You learn a sport. How many times do you have to repeat things uh, if you're good at it? You guys are fabulous interviewers because you've done it over and over and over and over again. You don't have to, you know, you think and you plan, obviously, but it's second nature to you now, which is what communication has begun to be for us. So it's a matter of learning to be able to spot 
if Kate starts to get dysregulated in a conversation, or I do, we'll, we'll say, time out. I'm not doing well right now. Let me catch my breath. Let me do some slow breathing. And then give me five minutes to walk around the house. And then I'm going to come back and let me try and listen one more time. So we got very practical along those lines. Yeah, reduce. Yes. Or a big and then part we, of growth. Then we had to work on our tone because the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Yeah, that's not an accidental comment. No, 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 no it's not. <laughs> we treat it that way, don't no, yeah. we? Like, be, if it, you can. Let, <laughs> right. Or, or let your speech be, as it were, seasoned with salt that it may give grace to those who hear. Mm. We can speak truthfully, but it can also be seasoned in such a way that it's palatable to the other person. That is so good. So good. Had to learn to do all this. We didn't know how. We, we learned all this. And we weren't counselors when we were learning this. We learned all this at 40 years old, you know, and it, it, around that time zone of our lives. Well, so good. This is so good. And there's so much more in the resources that you've created. I hope every one of you listening, I can't imagine a marriage that doesn't need this kind of help. Oh, and do. again, Gene and I are engaged with you guys. We're using your resources too. Thank you. Because they're so helpful. And that to me is a sign that the Lord is with you when people are clamoring for that content. To me, that says something that you've got the nerve. You've, you've got the nerve, the hand on the right thing. And uh, I'm grateful to you for doing that and allowing Focus to partner with you in this way to get it out. We love focusing with you and partnering with you. (laughs) Thank you. Mylon and Kay Yurkovich on today's episode of Focus on the Family, talking about the way that you can actually grow your marriage through stressful times. That content is so helpful. It is. And I'm telling you, if you're looking for a silver bullet to solve problems in your marriage, this is it. As Mylon and Kay just said, this stuff doesn't come naturally. We all have to learn to deal with stress in our marriage. And in my opinion, the best place to start is by following Mylon and Kay's advice. And this is why Focus on the Family exists. We want to help you have the best marriage possible. Of course, challenges arise in every marriage, but we can help. We have a team of caring Christian counselors on our staff. You can call and set up an initial consultation with them. And when they call you back, they will listen to your specific need, pray with you, and most likely give you some recommendations on where to start on your path toward healing. And if you feel like your marriage is in major trouble, we also have our Hope Restored Marriage Intensives. Uh, We hear from couples all the time that say these intensives have saved their marriages. With an 80% success rate, it's definitely worth giving a try. I'd agree with that, Jim. And then, of course, we also have Mylan and Kay's terrific book, How We Love, Discover Your Love Style, Enhance Your Marriage. It's available here at the ministry. Yeah, and when you make a pledge today, and no amount is too small, we'll send that book to you as our way of saying thank you for supporting the work of Focus on the Family and helping couples just like you. Uh, You'll also get an audio download of this conversation with Mylon and Kay that has some bonus content that they recorded on ways to help your spouse manage stress. Donate and get your copy of How We Love and that uh, bonus audio download at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or give us a call, 800, the letter A and the word family, 800-232-6459. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, hoping you have a terrific weekend and that you plan to join us on Monday as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.
Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.